0: The returning Irish Juggernauts kicks off Rugby World Cup Pool B. To the right, Lord in numbers
1: there! Ireland will score!
0: They kept it alive! They kept going on Ireland sailed past 80 points.
1: The Rugby World Cup has reached the quarter-final stage and Ireland is in the mix, playing New Zealand on Saturday evening in Paris. Andy Farrell's team is on a 17-match winning streak, and that tally now includes not just surviving the group stage, but topping its pool. And remember, Pool B was called the Pool of Death, and it meant Ireland facing reigning champions South Africa.
0: Ireland lead 13-8. Have
1: defended superbly. Who is it? So hopes are high. But Ireland has a problem with quarterfinals. In previous World Cups, it hasn't managed to make it through to the semi-finals. Captain Johnny Sexton this week said his team is preparing for the toughest game we've ever faced. But Irish Times sports writer John O'Sullivan, who's been covering this tournament in France from the start says he's noticed some cracks in the All Blacks' legendary fearsome facade.
0: You know when New Zealand are chipping away and chippy in the press beforehand that they're a little bit rattled. When New Zealand are in their pomp, they never worry about the opposition and they never talk about the opposition. New Zealand are talking about the opposition.
1: This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, can Ireland finally break the quarterfinal hex and beat New Zealand at the Stade de France? John, when we last spoke, you told us about Ireland's group called the Group of Death and the challenge we had to qualify. The group is now over. It's fair to say things went well. Remind us what happened.
0: Ireland were in a a very, very tough group in which they found themselves with the number fifth-ranked side in the world in Scotland and the world champions, South Africa. So it was a very, very tough group, but Ireland negotiated it with quite some aplomb, I suppose, if you look at the last two games in the, the pool stage. So they played Romania first, they won that easily. They played Tonga, they won that pretty convincingly. Romania, they played in Bordeaux. Tonga, they played in Nantes. And then they had two games in the Stade de France. The first was against the world champions, South Africa. Uh, which was a titanic tussle, very physical, and Ireland managed to finish on the right side of that, which gave them momentum and the opportunity to win the pool uh, if they beat Scotland. And then at the weekend, obviously, they beat Scotland quite convincingly. And the only legacy issue uh, from, I suppose, a downside is the fact that they picked up a few injuries in that game.
1: I'm watching it from the sofa, John, and it seems to me there's a huge amount of Irish fans there dominating Most stadiums. I mean, it struck me watching it last Saturday against Scotland. Scotland's as close to to Paris as, as Ireland is, in a sense. You know, you can understand when you watch the Tonga matches that there isn't a huge crowd from Tonga. But it seemed to me it was just a sea of green. I mean, and you've been in France since the start of the tournament. Tell me about the fans.
0: Yeah, anecdotally, there. for example, for the South Africa match, I think 39 planes left Dublin, as far as I know, on the day before the game. And for the Scotland game, 67 planes left Dublin with fans. Irish people have a remarkable capacity to procure tickets uh, when none seem to be available. A guesstimate, if you look at Stade de France last Saturday night, would have been somewhere between fifty and 60,000 Irish fans. It certainly felt that way. Everywhere you walked around in Paris, you saw green jerseys. The Oriore train and the Metro were, were stuffed to capacity uh, with Irish fans traveling to the game. Uh, and you, there would be a massive expectation that that will be the same when they play New Zealand next Saturday. The tickets are more widely available to people who don't have a background in rugby. And what you're seeing, I think, more of over here, obviously, is a lot of supporters who don't have a rugby background, who don't access tickets, say, for the Aviva Stadium, where they go out through clubs and provinces. This is you can buy tickets online and a lot of Irish people obviously bought them for the knockout stages and for the latter stages of the pool as well. And that's reflected in the numbers that are over here.
1: OK, so we'll, we'll talk about rugby now. So we topped the group. Uh, we set up a quarterfinal lockout game against New Zealand. As we heard last time when we were speaking, this was just at the start of the group stages, we've beaten New Zealand a few times in recent years. So, you know, they, they, they mightn't be as fearsome in our minds as maybe... They once were when they were the best team in the world. But still, this is a World Cup. They're a team that's used to winning. And obviously, you know, they don't want to lose. How hard is the game on Saturday going to be?
0: It's going to be very hard. I mean, there's there's, uh, no question it it helps if you've beaten a team before in the sense that you know that you can do it. But the legacy issue from uh, winning a Test Series in New Zealand in the summer of last year, is it's just uh, it gives you it gives the team and the players a little bit of confidence that they've done this before in the recent past, if you like. Will it matter a huge amount on Saturday night in Paris? Not really. It's the momentum that you take from the performances that you have have given in the tournament so far that are more important. Uh, that you go into the match with with no injury legacy issues. Uh, that you're physically primed to win. The mental side of things, that comes, you get confidence from beating teams in the past. but. There won't be. It's not like the Ireland are handing out their CV to New Zealand into the New Zealand dressing room ahead of of next uh, Saturday night's game. It will make New Zealand determined. They're already chipping away in the press about, you know, how much they they were um, they found losing a huge disappointment last year on home soil, the first ever New Zealand team to lose to an Irish team at home soil. All of that, and also the fact that they're they're referencing the fact that the pressure is on. So you know when New Zealand are chipping away and chippy in the press beforehand that they come across as a little bit rattled. When New Zealand are in their pomp, they never worry about the opposition and they never talk about the opposition. New Zealand are talking about the opposition.
1: So, John, uh, Joe Smith is involved with the New Zealand team. He's a selector. We know Joe Smith here because he used to be the head coach of the Ireland team. How has New Zealand... The New Zealand team, the New Zealand style of play, how has it evolved specifically over the last one or two years when they, they've known they've had to up their game?
0: I don't think it really has. I think it, it, it's a question of New Zealand play, the New Zealand way. What they have done is that they have lost matches during the current reign of, I feel like, head coach Ian Foster, more matches than they would have previously done in the past. They're no longer the number one side in the world. Ireland, obviously, have won a test series down there. They've been beaten by the Springboks. Um, so there is an element of their uh, invincibility that veneer is gone and teams are beating them, not just the two teams I've mentioned. Obviously, two countries I've mentioned. France also beat them in the opening match of the World Cup. So they don't have that veneer of vin- invincibility, if you like. What Joe Schmidt has done is what Joe Schmidt does for his teams. He is an outstanding coach. I was talking to Ian Madigan last week, and he was saying that 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 he's the best coach he ever had. And I asked him why, and he said, "Well, Joe Schmidt has a, a remarkable capacity to find a weakness in in opposing teams in their structure and work out a way to get to get at that weakness, and through three or four or five phases of play, so he will devise something where." His team will play a certain way through three or four phases and they will and they will expose that weakness. And he also said, Ian Madigan also said that Joe Schmidt is brilliant in real time during a match at, at assessing how the game is going and where opportunities arise. So he will bring that. He'll bring an intimate knowledge of the players. Also in the New Zealand setup is Greg Feek, who used to be the Irish scrum coach. So those two people will have a, uh, an in-depth knowledge of the players. But ultimately whatever transpires in terms of the prep for New Zealand when the players step on the pitch. And one of the great things about this Irish squad is that they have been able to problem-solve on the pitch. And that that is something that they haven't managed to do before, that they have struggled a little bit uh, in that capacity. But this group have managed to be able to, to problem-solve on a pitch. And that is a, a hugely desirable quality in the context of the matches that they face. Hopefully matches. I'm saying matches. Mm. I'm hoping it's matches, not match.
1: Well, now that gets to my next question, because look, of course, there's been jubilation over the group stage. It's been fantastic. It's been fantastic watching it, especially the South Africa game. Obviously, there's a feeling of optimism. Let's just be you know, pessimistic for a second, just for balance. Was there anything in our performance during the group stage that made you worry about greater challenges to come?
0: Uh, yeah, I think you, I think I don't think Ireland have played to their capacity. I think they've played very well in patches and matches. I think that they will need to play to a level that they haven't previously played in this tournament for 80 plus minutes. It's a bit of a cliche to say it, but now that you're getting to the knockout stages of the tournament against the best teams, and let's face it, Ireland you know, arguably have played two of the best, three best teams in the world uh, uh, in terms of, or will play, sorry, after Saturday's game. So, yeah, they have to play. There are wrinkles in their performance where they need to be better. They need to be as good as they can be uh, to win on Saturday night in the Stade de France.
1: John, I have two questions about the team selection. One is, it seems to me that Andy Farrell announced the team 24 hours ahead of his expected announcement. He announced it on Wednesday instead of Thursday. What was that about? Is that a tactical thing? What's that about?
0: I think they were just happy that uh, they had selected the team that they want. They were happy to announce it early. They were happy to get all their media done in one day. So which is not necessarily going to endear them or didn't endear them to the World Cup organizers. So. They have, uh, they canceled the media on Tuesday. And so they had uh, the cast of thousands came to the ballroom in the tiny hamlet of Domo. And by that, I mean that there were six players available. So you had Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton were first up, followed by Ty Byrne and Hugo Keenan, followed by Andrew Porter and Gary Ringrose, followed by Vinnie Hammond, the video analyst, and Connor Murray. And finally, Ian Henderson was entrusted with the job on his own. So he's, he was up on the day in front of the global media. So I think there's just an element of to get all of that done out, out of the way, to get that out of the way, to get it done, to pick the team, to announce the team, and then just to relax and focus on what they need to focus on. I don't think that that New Zealand will be surprised by the team selected. If you look at the, the composition of the team. So uh, they obviously felt that they could get that done at an early stage during the week and then just settle in and concentrate on, on kind of uh, preparing for the match.
1: So let's look at the team. What's the shape of it?
0: Well, there were injury concerns in relation to the two wings, Mack Hansen and, and James Lowe after uh, last weekend in which both went off for different reasons. Uh, Mack Hansen suffered a HIA, a head injury, during the, and went off for a head injury assessment I should say during the game and then came back on and felt his calf. So he was immediately taken off. James Lowe got a, a something in the eye, basically, and his vision was restricted and he was removed at half time. So they would have been the two uh, major concerns in, in terms of, of what happened in the first half and the reshuffle. Both of those have been past fit. James Ryan, um, suffered damage to his wrist, was sent to see a specialist. Um, there are pictures of, were pictures of him returning home. But he's back with the group, as far as I know. And he and Andy Farrell confirmed that he would be available for next week. He won't be available for this match. So young Joe McCarthy, 22-year-old, second row from Leinster, is drafted onto the bench, as is Jimmy O'Brien. Both Robbie Henshaw and Keith Earls are not fit enough, weren't fit enough, sorry, to be considered. Jimmy O'Brien had a bit of a shoulder issue arising from uh, something earlier in the tournament, and he is now fit, and he takes his place on the bench. And everything else is as is, if you like
1: so the big changes are on the bench?
0: Yes, the only changes are, are on the bench, as that chap.
1: And looking for possession. Grimwell
0: slices Scotland open. Hanson, James for the corner! I'll
1: continue my conversation with John O'Sullivan after this short break. Crowley stabs the kick over the top. That's a peach! John, aside from Ireland, New Zealand, the winner of France versus South Africa will go a long way towards deciding who wins this World Cup. France has the home advantage, clean sweep of their group, and they must be feeling particularly buoyant now that Antoine Dupont, who's their star player, their talisman, and who got injured during the pool stages, he's now fit to play.
0: So despite having surgery less than two weeks ago on a a fractured jaw slash cheekbone orbital injury, uh, yeah, the specialist has given him the the go-ahead to play in the match. So yeah, France have their talisman. He is a fantastic player. I think everybody who appreciates sport wants the teams to have their best players available and you want on a personal level for him as the best player in the world to be available to his team and to watch him play in the tournament. I mean, I think... Most people would like uh, would like Anton Dupont to be available for the remainder of the tournament.
1: Fabien Galtier, he's described this match against South Africa as a World Cup final. Even though South Africa are the current champions, do they go into this quarterfinal as clear underdogs? I mean, who do you think will progress to the semis out of that?
0: I would think that it will be a titanic game. My gut feeling is that France will win it. I think that France, again, a bit like Ireland, France have played very well in patches in the match. And it was put up to them in the opening game of the tournament where they faced New Zealand. New Zealand got a pretty good start, which they would have hoped for beforehand. France found a way to grind them down and to get the scores that they needed. I don't think France will take anything for granted. I think uh, South Africa will put it up to them. But the French have the players to, if you like, to match the South Africans physically. And they have, I believe, they have um, better players in the back line. An important part was how Mathieu Jalabert stood up at out half in the absence of the injured Romain Intimac, their first choice out half. And he has done very well. Um, France have a, have a brilliant three-quarter line, a young 20-year-old wing called Louis-Biel who's come in and done extremely well. And then you've got Damien Penault, who's his a good a back as you'll find in World Rugby and Thomas Ramos has kicked his goal so I have a sneaking suspicion that France will be uh, will find a way to win the match having said that the Springboks are worthy World Champions if France do get past them they will have done so I believe in, in, a, in a titanic game from the shade into the sunshine can they finish off with a bit of a flourish and the answer is yes and it's George North who does it Wales will win this final
1: contest. Wales have clicked into gear, much like they did in 2019 when they narrowly lost a semi-final to the eventual champion, South Africa. They're playing Argentina in their quarterfinal. So surely they'll be favourites to reach another semi-final, no?
0: They will, uh, no doubt about that. Argentina have kind of blown hot and cold within the tournament and within matches themselves, like against Japan. they They kind of won the match... Uh, And then kind of invited Japan back into the game, won the match again, then invited Japan back into the game. So they won't be able to do that against Wales. Wales will be full of confidence. Warren Gatland has a good record with Wales in terms of World Cups. They're a difficult team to beat. They won't beat themselves. They have uh, a settled side. The problem for Wales is they've picked up a number of injuries, uh, particularly in relation to Dan Bigger, Gareth Anscombe. They're at halves, two of their at halves, I should say so they have a, they have a few injury issues going into the game but yes uh based on the tournament to date you would think wales might squeak through against argentina argentina will have to produce a performance that they haven't previously done or managed sorry in in the tournament to date
1: John, England's preparation for the tournament, uh, from your reports and others, has been, you know, pretty shambolic. Um, But they get a shot at redemption when they play Fiji on Sunday. Fiji, of course, beat England at Twickenham in one of the World Cup warm-up matches. And that was only in August. How do you see that game going? Would England be a good, I don't know, outside bet to win the tournament?
0: I'm not so sure about an outside bet to win the tournament. I certainly think that they will be strong favourites against Fiji, despite that result at Twickenham. I think Fiji, Fiji, at this point in the tournament, they were a little bit leggy. Um, they looked a little bit tired, distracted in their final pool match uh, against Portugal. In fact, their last couple of pool matches, they haven't quite played as well as they did initially in the tournament against Wales and Australia so I think part of that is you wonder what Fiji side will turn up England were very very fortunate to beat Samoa but England have a way to kind of dominate the ball if you like so it'll be difficult physically they'll try and grind Fiji down Fiji will need to be resilient in terms of set piece which is scrum and liners. Um, they'll need to get some ball Fiji have a wonderful attacking capacity but they have to have that energy and dynamism that they've been lacking in the last couple of matches i think for them to cause a shock it's england's england have limitations but they also have very good players it's a style issue a lot of people have kind of looked at it and said right they're not playing particularly well that it's not a particularly appealing style of rugby but it's hard-nosed they're able to keep ball and they have that kind of power game which uh fiji don't have so I think if England imposed that on Fiji, you'd expect them to win.
1: I don't think we can talk about the quarterfinals without talking about a team that's not in the quarterfinals, and that's Australia.
0: Australia running out of heart, running out of desire here,
1: running out of the World Cup.
0: Apologise to all the supporters out there for our performance
1: tonight. Usually a powerhouse at, at World Cup. What went wrong for them?
0: just a series of performances like Eddie Jones took responsibility uh, after a fashion for for some of their performances they just seemed like a collection of individuals rather than a team they have some outstanding players they were unlucky with injuries but there just seemed to be in matches that they were they lacked that cohesion and an understanding of what they were trying to do uh they probably lacked quality in a number of positions There didn't seem it didn't seem from the outside that it was a, a camp that was very together and, and that, sorry, that I would be judging that based on the performances on the pitch. It just seemed like a lot of individuals that had come together to play a rugby match. So um, I think it's, it's been hugely disappointing for them. There are other issues off the pitch, if you like, in Australia and kind of finding a way where the, the, the sport is probably has less appeal. Uh, and this is kind of, this is cyclical with uh, sports and national teams in terms of success if you're successful you get loads of eyeballs support from people and if you're not then uh, people are less inclined to watch you and support you and it's sometimes it's as, it's as simple as that i think also they are questioning numbers in the game in australia and the greater appeal of rules in rugby league and and other issues like that so i think it's just been it's been a bit of a disaster for them in that uh, from that perspective for the australian rugby union who are fighting for hearts and minds uh, of young people in the game, uh, boys and girls. And a World Cup like this is a, is a sizable setback.
1: Now, there have been really lovely moments. Um, one of them was when Johnny Sexton broke Ronan O'Gara's points record.
0: Beautiful. Oh. For Conor Murray and Ringo's She's on the right-hand side. Jonathan Sexton to break the record. To break the Irish record. He's done it. And he's done it with a try. Well, how fitting is that?
1: during what will be his final World Cup. And, uh, you know, Johnny Sexton, every time I see him, he he seems to be smiling. And I, I don't normally think of Johnny Sexton, you know, smiling and looking kind of lighthearted. But um, this Ireland is deep with talent. How important is Sexton to the way we play?
0: He's very important. Um, he's a fantastic guy. He's a former World Player of the Year. Um, he loved the fact that I put in the word former. Uh yeah, he's that standard. So uh, he's very important to the team. He, he makes the team tick. You look at the Scotland game; it's the little moments of quality that he adds—kind of straightening running lines, facilitating other players, kicking his goals. Uh, you know, making tackles, providing a structure—all of these things that are are so so important. Uh, and he provides leadership as well. That's the other thing. You know, it's it's what he does as much as what he says, and. Uh, his teammates take confidence from his presence there, and they know that that he has played so many high-profile games at the highest level, and and kind of stood out in those matches. And not just it's one thing playing in those matches; it's another thing being able to control, manage games. And he has done that so many times for Ireland, for the Lions, for Leinster. He's an outstanding rugby player, and it is remarkable given his age that he continues to perform at the level in which he does. And yes, he's integral to the way Ireland want to play. Um, um, so he provides a lot of what Ireland will need if they're to go on and win on Saturday he has been a key performer and continues to be
1: John another great moment an emotional one it must have been amazing to be in the stadium for it was Peter O'Mahony leading the team out last Saturday against Scotland because the match was his 100th cap playing for Ireland look it's a remarkable achievement and he's been playing exceptionally well this tournament hasn't he?
0: Well, if you if you were looking at a wish list for your hundredth cap and you were dreaming about it the night before, you would probably settle for Peter Romani's performance on Saturday against Scotland. He did everything that his team required of him and, and that's very important to him as a person. It's not just an affectation when he speaks about he's quite uncomfortable in, in media circumstances. I think he'd rather do anything, including the gardening and uh, various other things that he seems to to kind of put on on Instagram rather than face the media he was he was brilliant on saturday you know from his line at work uh, both on ireland's ball and also in in nicking a couple of scottish throws his work at the breakdown he's a world class trash talker as he uh, as he showed on a couple of occasions when he he reminded the scots players individuals of one or two things
1: they were in the press beforehand saying they were going to knock us off for uh, our winning streak and how they figured us out and worked us out and um i don't think they did it tonight
0: he's another leader who leads in terms of what he does he adds huge value uh, in that respect there's a bit of a cliche or a phrase that you know he's the bit of the dog in him as well you need that you can't have everybody who just loves to you know get a touch of the ball play in the wider channels you need people who get in nitty gritty put their bodies on the line for their teammates and he epitomizes that he has the qualities to play out wide and he has the handling skills and the pace and and other skill sets if you like to play the game but when it's required, and it's often required during the game, he is he's at the epicenter of of where the the, the kind of physical work is has to be done, along with his back row teammates Josh Vanderflier and Kaelan Doris.
1: John, the last time we talked, it was just before uh, the group stages as, as you were heading off to France. And we talked about the fact that Andy Farrell had picked a squad where there was quite a number of younger players who hadn't had a lot of, you know, the big match day experiences. How have they performed? I
0: think they've performed well in the context of, of the team. Uh, um, they haven't got as many chances, if you like, in some cases, but the team has functioned and performed very well across the pool matches. Um, the important thing here is that that the pool matches have been, been a stepping stone to a quarterfinal, and Ireland need to continue to play well. So the pool stage is an investment in in getting some momentum Uh, And confidence to take into the knockout stages. Next Saturday night in the Stade de France, Ireland can, for the first time, make a semi-final and take a huge step forward with a talented group of players who have come together over a 17-match winning streak and provided some great sporting moments for the Irish public. So... I think what they have done has been great. What the young players have done, they've fitted into the group. The group now has to take a major step forward. And that is doing something. It's it's not, per se, about thinking about playing a quarterfinal. It's simply finding a way to beat New Zealand, who are a team that's standing in their way, who they have beaten before, obviously, in, in, in recent times and have a better record of, against them, if you like over the last couple of years. So it's it's beating New Zealand as much as it is winning a quarterfinal. It, the focus is on New Zealand. The focus isn't on this, Will we will make history by getting to a semifinal. If that is the focus, it distracts from what you need to do to win a match. And, and what they're focusing on is winning a match.
1: And I have to ask you to put your money where your mouth is. Who's going to win?
0: Uh, sorry, I just hear somebody call it. No, uh, yeah, I, um, I would say that, uh, I will go for an Irish win. I, I've kind of felt like this all week, which is worrying me a little bit. But then there have been various stages in the 17 match unbeaten run where I have doubted a little and proved that those doubts and it's been proven that those doubts were unfounded. So I think it would be pretty churlish of me now at this point. I, I also think that when I look at the game, I see. For once, I think I can say this ever, in covering rugby over 30 years, um, I think if Ireland play to the best of their ability, they will win this match. They are simply a better team than the All Blacks currently. And I think if they play close, and they will need to, play close to their capacity, I think they can win. That doesn't mean that the All Blacks aren't good enough to win, but I think it will take something It will take Ireland to produce a below-par performance, I think. And if they play close to their capacity, I I do think they will win. It'll be close.
1: OK, John, look, I know you're reporting on it, but I hope you enjoy the match tomorrow. Thanks for talking to us. Bye. Thank you. That's it for today. For more of John O'Sullivan's coverage and analysis from the Rugby World Cup, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode is produced by John Casey. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.